Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. Back here today, it is Easter Sunday, uh, very late, and I wanted to get a podcast out to talk about the latest in Purdue sports, uh, specifically Purdue basketball, obviously. Um, Initially, I had planned on this being a podcast to just kind of put one final wrap on the season, now that the season as a whole is officially over. As you know, UConn cut down the nets to win the national title. Um, The season is over, meaning all eyes are on the transfer portal. And because Purdue has already been quite active in the transfer portal with a player departing and a player arriving, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today than I initially planned. Uh, I do apologize for not having an episode last week. I kind of had a feeling the Brandon Newman departure was coming, so I wanted to wait on that, and then, you know, with how quickly things developed, I I wanted to at least get through the weekend to see if anything happened on a commitment front. Sure enough, it did. So that's where we're at today. So now that Purdue has landed a commit, um, lost a player, going to get into that. Um, I did want to at least talk about Zach Eady winning every National Player of the Year award that there is out there because it became official when he won the Wooden Award and was presented with that last week. Uh, I believe there are six major National Player of the Year awards and he won all of them. I, I think it's pretty common that the same guy wins all all of them. I, I think Mike Carmen had something out that said five of the last seven National Player of the Years have swept them all, maybe something like that. But regardless, you know, this listener base is obviously a Purdue partisan fan base. Uh, if you're listening to this, you're probably well aware of Zach Eady's story and his, you know, borderline unprecedented rise from the time it took from him to go from not playing basketball. Uh, in case you didn't know, he played baseball and hockey before playing basketball to now being national player of the year and someone who should he decide to return next year will be the face of college basketball, uh, at least one of the faces. It's pretty remarkable um, what he did. It's been a joy to watch him at Purdue, you know, to have a national player of the year on your team. If you're a fan is something that, you know, you may or may not see again. You know, you look at Purdue, and obviously they've had great players uh, between Glenn Robinson and Zach Eady, but none of them won National Player of the Year. Jawan Johnson, Caleb Swanigan were first-team All-Americans, but they weren't weren't National Player of the Year's, let alone a unanimous one. Uh, So I just, you know, and I'll talk more later on in the podcast about whether Zach Eady's going to go pro or not, whether he'll return to Purdue for one last year. But nonetheless, you know, it's been a joy to watch his development. It's been a joy to watch him play basketball and just dominate the way he did this past year. Uh, there aren't many words to to describe it, but, you know, nonetheless, I know the season ended on a very sour note, but that shouldn't take anything away from what Zach Eady did, uh, what Zach Eady has accomplished throughout his Purdue career and just how exciting it's been. 
uh, don't take it for granted because, you know, who knows when the next time this would happen at Purdue would be. You know, again, 29 years between Glenn Robinson and Zach Eady doing it. Uh, would it be 29 years before another Purdue player does it? Would it be less? Would it be more? I don't know, but uh, pretty remarkable feat and something that certainly deserved mentioning here. But, you know, we're all here for the transfer portal content now. And last week, the news that had probably been fairly well expected uh, from the Purdue fan base, certainly something that I had anticipated, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, came to fruition with Brandon Newman entering the transfer portal. Um, he's going to have two years of eligibility left. He has, obviously, his senior year and then a COVID year, should he decide to take it. A guy who, you know, for whatever reason, it never necessarily clicked at Purdue. There were some ups. There were some downs. Uh, folks will never forget his 29-point performance against Minnesota as a freshman, his performance against Illinois this past year at Mackey Arena, uh, him you know, getting an opportunity in the Big Ten tournament last year and making the most of it. Um, as much of a fan favorite as I can remember in recent Purdue history, uh, you look at guys like Chris Kramer and Robbie Hummel, and you know, to a certain degree, he was as loved as some of those guys. I, I think back, and one of my lasting memories of Brandon Newman will be at that Illinois game this year. Uh, the last game of the regular season at Mackey Arena, he was in his second game of starting for Purdue uh, at the three. It had been swapped in for Ethan Morton in the previous game at Wisconsin and then at Mackey Arena. And at that time, you know, Purdue was closing out the regular season, and it was very clear to everyone in attendance that night, or that afternoon, I guess, that... Purdue had the National Player of the Year on its roster. Zach Eady was going to win National Player of the Year. I think John Rothstein had given his National Player of the Year that day and gave it to Zach Eady. It was quite clear uh, what we were watching with Zach Eady. And the loudest cheers during lineup introductions came for Brandon Newman. Uh, he was that much of a fan favorite. He was someone that Purdue fans really, really rooted for uh, someone who stuck it out for a year when he had every justifiable reason to transfer after he, you know, didn't really, didn't really play a whole lot his sophomore year after he fell out of the rotation after, you know, guys like Jaden Ivey, Sasha Stefanovic, Eric Hunter. Uh, Ethan Morton were playing over him that season. He stuck it out and he came back and it never necessarily all came together. I don't think it was by lack of effort on Brandon Newman's part. I don't think it was on lack of opportunity. You know, I think he had every chance uh, for it to come together and for whatever reason it never did. And you know, that's okay. It happens. Uh, Brandon Newman represented himself very well he represented Purdue very well. He worked hard. He certainly showed his commitment to working hard with his growth on defense. 
because that was a real weak spot when he was not in the rotation a year ago. And he was playing some really solid defense late in the year this year for Purdue. He really improved there. Um, And that really speaks to him, I think. You know, there were, again, there were plenty of ups and downs. And that's probably how his career at Purdue will be remembered in terms of on the floor. Just a lack of consistency. Uh, A guy who leaves Purdue averaging six points a game on his career, shot 33.7% from three, uh, three rebounds, one assist. Again, you know, his numbers are what they are, but he's someone that worked hard and that Purdue fans are going to miss. Um, a lot of speculation early on that he's going to follow Micah Shrewsbury to Notre Dame. The fit makes sense to me. I have no idea if that's what will happen or not. And I'll point out that it's nine o'clock on Sunday night as I record this. Maybe by the time you're listening, he'll have announced a destination. I have no idea. Um, it would make sense, though. You know, it seems like Brandon Newman and Micah Shrewsbury have a pretty good relationship. And I only say that based off of the very brief evidence I have of their handshakes after games and Shrewsbury giving him hugs, all of that. Uh, obviously, Shrewsbury was on staff when Brandon Newman redshirted as a true freshman and then for his redshirt freshman season, which was Brandon Newman's best season at Purdue. Um, it would make sense that he goes there. Micah Shrewsbury certainly needs players at Notre Dame to help build that thing back up to what it has been before. Uh, it's close geographically. Uh, if we're into geographic fits here, Valparaiso just hired a new coach and has like six players on the roster right now, I think. There would certainly be an opportunity for him there whether he wants to go down to you know, a non-power conference or not, I'm not sure, but it would be a bit of a homecoming for him being a Valparaiso High School graduate. Uh, could he go back and play for the Beacons? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know where he's going to go, but he's out the door. And now Lance Jones, a guard from Southern Illinois, is in the fold as a transfer into Purdue a guy who committed over the weekend on Saturday afternoon. Uh, He is going to join a pretty crowded guard room, but does so with a pretty pretty good track record here coming to Purdue. Uh, He's a guy who has been a pretty big contributor for all four of his years at Southern Illinois. You know, just looking at his, his bio, his stats here, um, someone who made a major impact for Southern Illinois. He is from Evanston, Illinois, Evanston Township High School. So I think he would have had a little bit of crossover with Nogel Eastern there. Um, I'm not positive, but I think they would have crossed over a little bit. So there's a little familiarity there with Purdue. Um, whether Matt Painter would have seen him at the time watching No Gel Eastern, I don't really know. But it looks like the guy was a four-year starter, uh, scored 13 or more points per game for the last three seasons, and really by the end of his career, kind of at least from an outside perspective, looks like he was kind of the alpha of that team. 
uh, shot the ball a bunch, was someone who started every game, um, was third team All-Missouri Valley as a sophomore, all defensive team a couple of times here. A pretty good pickup for Purdue. I think he slots in nicely um, as someone who is a little bit quicker. You know, if you've listened to what Matt Painter has said since losing to Fairleigh Dickinson with an interview with Andy Katz that was on Twitter and a much more in-depth Q&A with goldenblack.com with Mike Carmen. I highly recommend you read that if you haven't already because it's it's good stuff. And what Matt Painter really reflected on is that the team needs to be quicker. They need more speed and quickness, especially out on the perimeter. He, very much focusing on the fact that you know they didn't get to the basket all that well, and sometimes defensively against some of these smaller, quicker teams that they've struggled with in the NCAA tournament, that if they could be quicker that could help combat some of that. I think Lance Jones really fits that mold uh, of someone who's a little bit quicker. Certainly some defensive prowess there as an all-defensive team guy twice in the Missouri Valley, which is a solid conference. It's not you know, it's not the NBA All-Stars or anything, but it's a solid solid mid-major, I don't know what you can necessarily consider it. Um, but it's a good conference, and I think he's going to be a nice pickup. The two sticking points I've heard from folks are that this past season he shot 28% from three and that his assist-to-turnover ratio was negligible, about a wash, one-to-one. On the three-point percentage thing, and that certainly brings, brings intrigue because Purdue didn't shoot the ball particularly well, as a team this season, and it was a major factor in their loss to Fairleigh Dickinson. You know, yes, he he shot 28%. If you look back at his career, he shot 42% as a sophomore and 34% as a junior. So there is some real evidence there that he's capable of better than that. And I'll also add that he took 250 three-pointers this uh, past season. And that's a lot. <laughs> that is a ton of three-pointers to attempt. I'm pulling up right now what Carson Edwards took his last year at Purdue. Um Took 380 if you factor in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, this is going to be a guy who has taken an awful lot of threes, um, a really high volume. And if you'll remember, when Carson Edwards was taking that type of volume at Purdue, his percentage wasn't necessarily the best. Um, I know we all remember what he did in the NCAA tournament, but I think in Big Ten play that season, Edwards might have been below 30% or just right above it. Uh, when you have that type of volume, you're going to make fewer threes. It, it just, it's how it works. It's really hard to shoot a high percentage on super high volume. Another reference uh, in his last year at Purdue, Sasha Stefanovic took 229 threes. He took a lot as well. 
that was some high volume. So, you know, Lance Jones was playing a role where he was taking a ton of threes. That doesn't necessarily concern me. I don't know what Southern Illinois' offense looked like necessarily, but Purdue runs an offensive structure where they get a lot of good ones. I think that would probably help just to have more good looks at the basket from three. I don't know that that his three-point percentage necessarily concerns me, Uh, and especially because when you look at how important shooting is to Matt Painter, I don't know that he would bring in a guy who he didn't think could shoot or at least be a a decent shooter at Purdue. Um, In terms of the assist-to-turnover ratio, you know, kind of the same thing. When you have the ball in your hands a lot, you're going to have turnovers. Um, When you're the guy of a team, you're going to have turnovers. And, you know, for a Southern Illinois team that was pretty good this year, um... In an exhibition game, they lost to Alabama by nine. Um, looking at their schedule right now, they went 23-10, and 10, uh, 14-6 and six in the Missouri Valley. That's pretty good. Uh, so it's not like this was some bad team. You know, you have to make plays happen. And again, this probably isn't the same role he's going to play at Purdue. It'll be a different role, but he's a guy who I think you can play both on the ball as a primary ball handler and off the ball. I think he's got experience in both. And he fits in nicely to a role that we know Purdue could use. When Braden Smith isn't on the floor, someone needs to handle the ball. And I think he projects a little bit better in that role than David Jenkins did. I know that Purdue fans really had their their eyes set on maybe a bigger fish out of the transfer portal. I know when LJ Cryer from Baylor entered the transfer portal, you know, that was kind of the guy that Purdue fans flocked to right away. That was the guy that Purdue fans said, Hey, we want him. That's what, you know, that's what we want. Well, you know, LJ Cryer entered the transfer portal earlier this week. And on Sunday, he committed to Houston. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that L.J. Cryer kind of knew he was going to Houston when he entered the transfer portal. I know there's all the, you know, the whole anecdote that he was very upset when Jaden Ivey committed to Purdue because, you know, he wanted to come to Purdue. All of that, um, I'll, I'll take I'll take L.J. at his word. I have no reason to believe otherwise, but... You know, I don't think he had his eyes set on Purdue when entering the transfer portal. I don't, it seems like Purdue was interested, um, whether he was interested or not, I don't know. But, you know, the portal is a tricky game and you want to pursue as, you know, as big of a caliber player as you can that you think is going to be a good fit. But you also don't really want to get stuck in the same situation Purdue was in last year where they waited out Nigel Pack. Because if you remember, he took a visit to Purdue. He visited Ohio State. He visited Miami. All of that before he made a decision. And by the time he decided to go to Miami, there were a lot of players in the transfer portal that had committed elsewhere. It seems to me that Lance Jones was a pretty real priority for Purdue, a pretty real priority early on. 
and they got him. So I, I think, you know, sure, you can want a bigger, a bigger name. You know, it's hard to f- figure out what guys really want when they enter the transfer portal. Is it an NIL thing? I don't know. Um, it's case by case. So I have no idea, you know, what some of these bigger guys are looking for. As I said, you know, on previous podcasts, I think it's going to be tough for Purdue to get a really big name guy when you look at just how much Purdue returns from a good team. I think that was always going to be a challenge. Um, I don't know where Purdue is in NIL, how much they can, how much they can offer a guy out of the transfer portal. I, I don't know if they're really in, in the business of throwing money around necessarily. I, I don't know. I just say that because it seems like Zach Eady's got a pretty significant deal if he wants to come back. Um, so I, I don't know how the NIL structure works, but you know I don't think Purdue is dropping bags bigger than anyone else out there. I'll just leave it at that. So Purdue has Lance Jones in the fold. What's next here? I don't know. I I think Purdue, if they would like, you know, if they can get another big time impact guy. I think they'd certainly take him. You know, next year projects is a pretty dang good team. Some of the issue here is what's Zach Eady going to do? Because if Zach Eady comes back, you can't take a big. You just, you're not going to have any minutes to give a big guy. You look at next year already. If Zach Eady comes back, that front court is just full as can be. With Trey Kaufman Wren, with Caleb First, guys who can play the four and five, with Mason Gillis at the four, and with Will Berg, who I would think is just a five, but we don't know much about him. We don't know much about where he's at right now. Um, if Zach Eady leaves, I think you could probably entertain taking a, a forward or a center, but you know that's not going to be something we know for a while. And frankly, that's not something we should know for a while. Zach Eady's going to go through the NBA process here. He's going to figure out what the best decision for him is. That's all, that's all positive. That's what he needs to do at this point. Um, he needs to make the best decision for himself. He has until May 31st to do so. In that time, you know, Purdue's in a, a bit of a holding pattern here as it pertains to the front court. In the backcourt, you know, again, they could take a big-time guy if they can get him, uh, an L.J. Cryer type. But, you know, you're in a spot here, again, where you don't have that many minutes to throw around there. You have two guards returning who started every game last year in Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. You have another guard in Ethan Morton who started the vast majority of your games now you have Lance Jones, a guy who's been, I think, a four-year starter, at least a three-year starter at Southern Illinois, who is certainly going to be playing legitimate minutes at Purdue. You bring Camden Heidi in off a red shirt, and you bring Miles Colvin in as a true freshman. That's pretty full. And Brian Waddell, who you know is going to be in the mix as well. Uh, I certainly think his knee injury was pretty significant and impacted him a little bit. Where is he at? You know, I don't know. 
but that's a pretty full group of guys playing the one through three. If you can bring in an impact guy, you do it. Because if Zach Eady is going to return, you know, you're a national title contender. Um, you look at these preseason top 25s right now, and kind of the consensus here is that if Zach Eady comes back, Purdue's a top five team. If not, and there are a few of those preseason top 25s that are out that don't have Zach Eady returning, still have Purdue in there, you know, top 15, top 20. So you're projecting a pretty good team next year. I don't know that you're just in the business of adding guys for the sake of adding guys. I don't always love the whole thought, you know, oh, you have 13 scholarships, you better use them all. Well, you can't play 13 guys. And for the sake of the argument here, you know, you could say that Will Berg isn't ready to go. Okay, well, you're at, tw- you're at 11 still. I mean, you can't play 11. You can cut a guy or two out of the rotation, but you're at nine. You're at 10. I mean, it's hard to get to this point where you have minutes for everybody. Um, it's it's a good problem to have, but you know I don't know that you're just going to be able to pluck guys out of the portal very easily with this full of a roster kind of in your hand. Um, I think... T- Adding Lance Jones makes Purdue better for next year. I think that element of quickness is very important. I think Braden Smith is quicker than people give him credit for. Lance Jones is as well. So you have some quickness there. Um, And really, you know, until Zach Eady comes back, it's hard to have a great idea of what Purdue will be next year. Um, We know that if you look ahead, Purdue will be in a loaded Maui Invitational field uh, Thanksgiving week. That's going to be big. The Big Ten ACC Challenge is done. I don't remember if there's another year of the Gavit Games or not, and I don't know if Purdue if it's Purdue's year to have one. I can never remember with that thing. Um, what that event in Indianapolis is going to look like, you know, I don't know. I presume Purdue's going to try to do something there again. And I also think they would like it to be a little bit more substantial than it was last year when it was Ball State versus Illinois State and Purdue versus Davidson. I think they would like it to be a little bit bigger than that. Whether that comes to fruition or not, I don't know. We'll find this all out throughout the summer. Um, you got 20 Big Ten games, so you're going to have a, a, a fine schedule. It'll be plenty difficult. Um But as you project out, Lance Jones is in the fold. I think Purdue is in really good shape as you look ahead to next year, whether Zach Eady returns or not. Obviously, they're in phenomenal shape if Zach Eady comes back. Uh, What your you know your floor is very very high at that point. So we'll keep an eye on it here all summer. Um, We're kind of in the long point now of the sports calendar. For college sports fans, you know, we're about five months away from the start of the playing portion of the football season. Going to be plenty of podcasts in the meantime. Next week, we're going to talk some football, unless anything happens between now and then with basketball that merits its own episode. We'll see. But football's in spring practices, about halfway through those. Going to talk about where they kind of sit. Um, There's no spring game, which is a bit of a bummer for fans this year, 
I get it. You know, Ross Aid's under construction. I don't know what the what the process of doing something elsewhere looks like, but a bummer nonetheless. But we're going to talk some football next week, and if you know me, you know I am very, very excited about that. But that's all I have for you today. I uh, really just wanted to look at Lance Jones and Brandon Newman in the transfer portal and talk about that a bit. Um, if you have any questions for next week, send them over on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Uh, give me a follow there. Join the conversation. Always having some fun. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts because we're not done producing podcasts just because the games are over. Uh, thank you again to everyone who listened throughout this past season. As you know, September to April is a grind in this in this realm with football and basketball, you know, sandwiched together for a little bit. But um, the summer brings some fun opportunities to do some different things, and I'm looking forward to that. So until then, take care, everybody.